Hey there, film fans, and welcome to another episode of The Real Take. Grab your bicycles and be prepared for flight as we're headed on an adventure, one that will change our lives forever. E.T., the extraterrestrial that stole our hearts when he first appeared on screen in 1982, is celebrating a big milestone. He's turned 40. I can't say the years have been kind to him, but he is flying back to the big screen. And what better excuse to rewatch this cinematic classic and also dig up the relatives that he'd rather forget? That's right, we've rewatched the E.T. ripoffs as well. So grab the tissues and the M&Ms. This is going to be emotional. Let's roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and I'll have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Da 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 da. Talking movies. Yes, it's the Real Take, the podcast by film fans for film fans. Do like and subscribe to the Real Take and never miss another episode. Nylon Ross, are you ready for an adventure? I'm feeling old, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't. When you said forty, I was sure that was a mistake. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's looking well. He's, looking well he's not looking well. <laughs> if there was any more uh, proof that it's the importance of moisturising, ET will will definitely he definitely should, you know, he should have had a better skincare regime. Yes. even when even when yeah. he was when he was young. Because you were saying there's actually a photo of ET the well not alien puppet I'll say yes there <laughs> um, is what he looks like now. Yes, I actually dug this up uh, earlier on on the interweb when I was Googling around about uh, just E.T. being 40 generally. And this is how the article starts in the in the, in the mirror. Uh, skin peeling, powdering to dust at the slightest touch, eye sockets protruding painfully from his naked skull, his crudely exposed metal skeleton lying limp in a tangle of wires. These well, images reveal... The- <laughs> Apart from the metal skeleton, that sounds like me on a Sunday morning. Yeah, <laughs> busy on a Sunday. Uh, these reveal the remains of E.T. 40 years on. So even though they had it, you know, obviously very, very well preserved in different wrapping. And, you know, they, they I, even at the time, I think they knew that they got to preserve this guy. Um, yeah, it's got, like they're saying here that the reporter was, uh, you know, very shocked to see uh, decades after uh, this adorable alien became a global superstar that he's kind of, you know, lying a bit lifeless. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, as you kind of said, he it was obviously the state that he does in the movie. Yeah. You know, like oh, the, part where he, the part where he's turning white and stuff. Like that, yeah. So. Way worse than this. Yeah. Like, so if you Google what E.T. looks like now, you'll get a kind of a gist of this. But uh, so he he, uh, as you said, um, you know, he had a uh, lot of there was a lot a lot of work done in this in terms of special effects and mechanical kind of stuff and puppet puppet kind of puppeteering all of that and but today the family of et's designer and maker the late special effects artist carlo rambaldi i think it is um so they describe how the once cutting edge latex which formed et's skin perished leaving only the animatronic structure uh, which is still working though which is testimony to to the guy's genius um but uh they are basically trying to bring him back to life so they're saying et's heart will glow again uh because they are painstakingly uh kind of bringing him back to life pretty much um and uh, this cares? is throwing the trash it's oh no <laughs> no it's like that Cinema thing history. Only feels Get rid of it. yeah. like, uh, if you replace enough of it is it the still the original et do you know uh, what well, i mean 
it sounds like the structure is there. It's just the yeah. latex that didn't last. It's the latex, so. yeah. So they're kind of yeah. saying, apparently, you know, even kind of uh, unwrapping this was like so delicate because mm. any slight touch, and like I mentioned, the, the thing would just kind of go to dust, all this latex and everything. So it just, it's, it was all kind of crumbling away, she was saying, um, you know, so it's been kind of terrifying. Uh, this is the uh, Daniela, the, the daughter of, of the guy who made it. So um, basically they're, they're, everything was just like complete kid gloves they said uh, when they when they excavated the boxes we used very soft gloves and pillows the unboxing alone took a week the unpacking of the head took three days and at any moment we could have lost it all so there you go uh, so they're doing the it's like me unpacking for my holidays it yeah, yeah. three four days <laughs> and it's very delicate a very delicate process so yeah so they're restoring E.T. a real labour of love which I think is really important that he, he does come back to life because you know as Niall said cinema history we're talking about here yeah yeah I think so I'm not as cynical as Ross <laughs> well, they did have that thing in, was it, in 1997 or so. It was around about the time when George Lucas was kind of, um, what you call it, re-releasing a lot of the Star Wars movies. Not just re-releasing, tinkering. He was tinkering, he was tinkering with, with them. them. Tinkering with and film history. Spielberg yeah. tinkered with E.T. as well. Yeah, he saw what his friend George was doing and said, that might work there. So he, they re-released uh, E.T. in the, in the 90s with... Uh, oh, a CGI, CGI ET, and it mm. just looked god awful. It did. Um, it it's amazing, and uh, props to the prop maker, um, mm. because they they got so much character, and that's the joy of some of these you know puppets in movies. They get so much character and yeah. seem so believable, um, in a way that maybe CGI just hasn't kind of caught up to quite yet. Oh, completely, completely. And, and what actually, do you think about the other big change in that re re-release? What was the other big change? What was it? The, all of so. the all of the government agents had guns in the original, yeah. And he digitally took them out and replaced them oh. with uh, torches, <laughs> flashlights. Oh yes! Oh my yeah. god! Uh, just to yeah. t- that's the you know the the times we're in. You know what I mean? The kids, I the suppose, campy, but, looking at the guns. You know, it seems a little silly to me. It does know. seem ridiculous. Yeah. It does seem ridiculous. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, is. like it was acceptable in the eighties, as the song says. So we'll leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tell, well, it gives them more menace. They're bad oh, guys, yeah. aren't they? They you have to be. Well, bad. They're, yeah. oh, well, well, <laughs> oh, I think hang they're, on. It's, it's, I don't think it's Ross is checking. Send ET back to where he came from. <laughs> <laughs> coming over here taking our jobs I will say right that I remember seeing this as a kid and being like those guys are evil they're the bad guys mm. and then I watched it I rewatched it again for this podcast because I hadn't seen it in a number of years and I'm like first of all all they're trying to do is save his life they're very considerate they give the child some last minutes but they're trying to help him you know, yeah, they're probably going to like give, do a live vivisection on them later on. But yeah. in, from what we've seen in the movie, he they're quite nice and they seem to care for ET, and there's they don't want any harm to come to him. Oh, so, so it's, it's like it's it's a nice. Uh, it's it's not one of these battery chicken farms where they're all squished in and well, then they look, all get killed. It's a lovely. It's the chicken is really looked after and then it's cut in half. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Sometimes shady government agencies. You never know. They could be shady, but also really nice guys like the MIB. <laughs> You know, Will Smith and, well, maybe not Will Smith these days, but Tommy Lee Jones. Well, maybe not Tommy Lee Jones back in the 90s, but like, you know. Ross, keep doing that hole. Generally, they might have a nice energy, even though they're shady, you know. 
Okay. Well, yeah, I, I see kind of your point in the sense that, yeah, they're kind of like, oh, let's take care of him, you know, and make sure he's all right before we, like, dissect that's, him. Yeah, that's yeah. a big, I mean, that's, a, that's a line that they're feeding Elliot, isn't it? Yeah, they're that's like, oh, just to get what they want. Yeah, yeah, tell the kid whatever, you it's know It's the what American I mean? then, government. They don't have to, they could actually disappear that kid and that entire Look, family and I, I, I'd say that extraterrestrial that. was just being stored in a box in Mar-a-Lago <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean because you know anything that, that the president touches belongs to him oh, so yeah. he touched E.T. with his finger <laughs> and then he, he owned E.T. and he just kept him in a box in there his uh, in the basement of his country club in Florida yeah <laughs> <laughs> very specific location um so tell me then about the first time seeing et so this obviously came out before i was born but uh you would have been really young in fairness Nyla. did you see it though in the cinema or what way i don't think i did or if i did see it in the cinema i think the first time probably would be on tv so um but i might have seen it because i've spoken before about how there weren't as many children's films back then as there used to be so things would get re-released do you know what i mean especially during Mm. the summer holidays um uh, there'd be uh, re-releases of movies like Superman the movie which again I would have been far too young to see when it first came out but I do remember seeing that in the cinema I don't have a great uh, very clear memory of seeing E.T. in the cinema that doesn't mean that I didn't but I think I probably would have seen it uh, around Christmas at home if yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah. so um, I've got to look this maybe it's one that as a child or when I was very young I, I found it very slow I wasn't really I didn't really like it. You know what I mean? Do you know, it's so weird that you say that because I try to introduce this, as I do, uh, to um, our youngest guy, who's, who's only six. And like that, he was like, there's too much talking. Why do you not like you know, he he found really? it a bit slow as well, which is that's yeah. quite unique that you've said that now. I'm 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 intrigued because I thought that was just this generation where they can't sit still for two minutes. That's what I <laughs> well, thought me, it was. Me and Killian are very sympathetic. Yeah, you're very, <laughs> very much are. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> watching it then, uh, you know, uh, when I got a little bit older, I, I mean, the visuals of it, like we're saying, are amazing. Not just the puppet, but the, mm. the spaceships, the, even the flying thing, and John Williams. Amazing score, yeah. like it's just, oh, yeah, like, yeah, it so. elevates it, doesn't it? It lifts it to you know, a, a scene that might be great, it makes it just spectacular. It really oh, does. Yeah. The, the score lifts yeah. it so much, and yeah. <clears throat> that's such an interesting point about the lack of action in it because it was something I was kind of thinking, it was in the back of my mind. I was kind of comparing this to similar movies that might have been released in the last couple of years, and I was just thinking if this was released these days it'd be an awful lot less talking, an awful lot more action. Mm. Not necessarily for the betterment of the film, I, w- I would say. I, I like the slower pace because then when the action happens, it means more. Yeah, yeah well, you see, I... it's kind of a family drama movie with action then put in. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, and this is kind of well documented, Spielberg, you know, it was his sort of, I suppose, trying to come to terms with his parents' divorce as a, as a, as a child. And it was him kind of, you know, writing about that and kind of coming up with the idea around that and, you know, what would it be like uh, for this young boy whose life has been upended and, oh, look, he has a friend and it's an alien kind of thing. So that's kind of where all that kind of comes from. So it is a lot, there's a lot of scenes that have this family drama, which is at the heart of a lot of Spielberg stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Mm. thankfully, he's gotten over that because his next film... The Fablemans is literally just about. He's gone. <laughs> what if I made ET, but without the alien? 
what yeah, I yeah. about my family growing up and the divorce and the split up of, the, of, of my parents' marriage, but without an alien in it. Does anyone see any of like the other side of close encounters of the third kind or something in this? A similar kind of energy where it's like, this oh, is what yeah. happened if it was the kid who found it, as opposed to the adult. Or yeah, something. yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, they're both, they're both the, the flip side of, you know, the, the classic alien invader story, yeah. Close Encounters and E.T. And it's just, this is more, I guess, a family movie, whereas Close Encounters, not so much. But it is like, yeah. what if aliens uh, were friendly, mm. basically? Yeah. My my niece, who is now eight, but she probably would have been seven, um, I think I tried to show it to her as well. And she just got a little bit bored too. Yeah. You know? So it, it is and just, it's... it's and it, it is, I wonder, is it the family film that the family can all sit around? And back in the day, it would be um, there, there was less targeted entertainment for for children. They were either really, really like very much for children. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. very much for adults. And this is one of how do I put this? I guess it's a family it's movie. But it, yeah. it would have been a bit like we're all just going to look, we're going to sit down and watch this. So just be quiet. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. I know exactly where you're coming from with this. Whereas now it's it's like it's like oh, where's my phone? Yeah, can I, can yeah. I play Pokemon or something? Yeah. Um. Whereas then, yeah, you're right. It was more of like movie watching generally, uh, particularly when I was younger as well. Like that, it was more of a treat thing. It was more of um, you know, uh, a once off t- sort of thing. Whereas now kids can just watch movies kind of all the time, which is great yeah. in one way, but yeah. like, I totally see where you're, where you're coming from. Like for me, I, I definitely would have saw it on television as well. Um, it was at my cool aunt and uncle's house. They had it on video. I know. Uh, so I'd say I was about maybe, I could have been about maybe six or seven, something like that, but was completely transfixed by this alien creature. Like just, you know, I, it was like, Totally one of those times where I completely was transported into the world. I, I, I wasn't bored by it at all. I was just going, there's an alien in their house. How, how are they going to, how are they going to hide it? What are they going to do? Oh, look, they've played dress up with it. That definitely would have been me. I would have been like trying to dress it up and something at that age. Um, <laughs> But uh, it was like that first kind of, you know, one of those early experiences of cinema magic like uh you know particularly then when they when they take when the bikes fly and you're just like what the this is mind-blowing stuff altogether and then you know i do i did and still do ball at the end when he has to go i mean seriously you'd want to have a heart of stone not to cry at the end of that (laughs) i I think ross Ross lee probably didn't cry i think he went i was on where's the fbi where's the fbi hotline that i can ring and let them know that (laughs) be a patriot call it in that's what you should be doing (laughs) See something, say something. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but they're, they're, I gotta say, the part at the end when you're near tears, I think that's all down to Henry Thomas, the the young kid, yeah. his performance in it. He's unbelievable in this movie. And um, for such a like, I'm not sure what the age he is here. Maybe what seven, eight, ten, twelve. I've actually no idea what age kids are. Um, but I'm gonna go with eight. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, I think he's about. He's definitely no more than ten or eleven, is he? I yeah. well, he's an eight. He's an eight year old in this. Yeah. 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 And he, he puts in an incredible performance. There's actually a great clip. I'm not sure if you guys have ever oh, seen I it. Oh, I know it, yeah. You yeah, got the job, kid. Sorry, that sorry one. I've, yeah. got to, I've got to uh, correct myself there because I think it's Drew Barrymore maybe that's eight, but I could be wrong. No, she's not, not really oh, young. She, she's she's not like five or six. Yeah, yeah. No, Hold okay, on. okay. Let's Google. There's Let's only Google. one way yeah, to yeah. find this yeah, out. I, yeah. I'm going to go. Well, here we go. It's time for a surprise quiz. Oh, no. What age are we going for Henry Thomas and E.T.? Sinead, go. I'm going to say 10. 
I'm going to stick. Now that you say it, I'm going to stick with my original, original guess of eight. Okay. Well, okay. And we're going for Drew Barrymore because I don't want to give you a comparison. Um, I think she's only five there. Five or six, definitely. Five. What are you going to yeah. say? What are you going to say now? <laughs> well, if he's eight, then she would be about five, yeah. Uh, this is where all we're proving now is none of us know the ages of children. None of us know. <laughs> I was about to say Drew Barrymore was actually forty years, and I was like, wait, no, it was forty years ago. Um, so Drew Barrymore was seven. Oh, in, nice. in, 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 okay. When it came, well, he, he must be 10. older. He's. I oh, he was ten. He was hey. well, ten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he. But there, as we were saying, there's a there's that very great audition. Yeah. It's one of the. It's like there's something great about YouTube auditions. You get to see. Um, other you know actors trying out for roles and, and and stuff like that the robert de niro the godfather one is a particularly good one as well um but but uh seeing henry thomas such a young age put in such a commanding performance cry at will and put on such an emotional response and then at the end as you said there the casting director or whoever is in the room and just goes all right kid you got the job because you couldn't say yeah. no to such a performance and it's really no. worth checking out it's just it, to stop him crying i think yeah stop him <laughs> crying yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, we also got you at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, no, that was that's, the audition that's, that's, for Mac and me. Yeah, that's <laughs> the film that tonight's going to be talking about. Um, yeah, and what now? Have, have you seen Henry Thomas in anything else apart from ET? I, I watched him. him. That horror movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, not horror movie. It was a horror... Um, series or something, was it? No. Henry, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a horror series there last... Or a couple of years ago. It was during maybe lockdown I was watching it. Mm. Um, the haunting of Hill he, House. Yes, yeah, he works he's with the dad or something, is it? Mike he? Flanagan. Yeah. He's, he's been and Mike Flanagan uses the same actors kind of in all of his series. So I haven't yes. seen that one. And there's another one called The Haunting of Blind Manor. I think mm. he's in that. But yeah. I did see him in uh, Midnight Mass, which is excellent. Uh, I could I couldn't recommend that more. Another um, another Mike Flanagan uh, series. But apart from that, like that's I. I'm trying to think. Was he in? No, I'm thinking of Lucas Haas. Uh, was in Inception. No, he's he was not in a small. Inception. He had no. a he had a small role in Gangs of New York. But yes, it's like, ah, yes, yes. Yeah. He's one of the Leonardo DiCaprio's kind of crew or something, Mates. isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The but it's them, not like a yeah. big. It's not a you know it's not a small you know it's not a massive role either. No, no, but he's in there, yeah. But I think he kind of he did that you know he took a break, didn't he? He didn't he didn't kind of pursue the acting too much, and then of course he popped back up in the Sky Ad at Christmas where ET comes back. I mean seriously, come on, yeah, Yeah, amazing, amazingness. Um, so we should we we, do we need to give a description of what happens in in ET for people (laughs) who haven't seen it? Come on now, there's not a lot that happens in it. It's not very heavy on plot, is it really? I think, but yeah, go on, give a give a quick a quick synopsis. Okay, so essentially, you know, we have this family unit. We have the mom, the single mom, and the three kids, the older brother, uh, Michael, isn't it? Yeah. And then we have Elliot, and we have little Drew Barrymore, whose name I can't think of in the movie. What's her name in it? Casey or what's her? I don't know. What's her name? Gertie. Gertie. There you go. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, In the house. uh, And um, uh, basically, the alien ship uh, crash lands on Earth and. E.T. being the curious fellow that he is gets you know separated from his family uh, who clearly feck off I wouldn't say land I no, think, no, it I think it's more of a lands. well they, they land it's an exploratory yeah. mission they, they yes stop. that's it they stop and then, off 
They Dad E.T. says, don't don't walk don't away go from far. the car. Don't go far. Yeah. Make sure I can see you at all times. Yeah. And, yeah. and Bold E.T. doesn't do Yes, this. and he, they clearly yeah. hightail out of there like Kevin McAllister's parents and zoom off back to another galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're probably on vacation. They've got to get yeah. to regular seven yeah. you know, to check in <laughs> for... E.T. equivalent of Disney World. Yeah, that's what's happening. <laughs> so uh, E.T. is uh, left there, you know, and he ends up um, exploring, you know, the, the area, the, ter- the, the, the terrain he's landed in. Mm. And uh, very suspiciously, the government agents, they, they're on to him straight away, really, aren't they? They've, they've, <laughs> they arrive on scene. They're like, oh, what's going on here? There's a extraterrestrial life force. But E.T. manages to kind of wander and escape down into the valley or the California, from the Californian hills or wherever he is, and stumbles into little Elliot's back garden. And um, Elliot is going through that sort of difficult time in his life because his parents um have just recently divorced and his mom is doing the best trying to raise them all and kind of work and do everything else and in comes et but like what's so brilliant about this is you it's it's again you know this this kind of classic thing that we go back to a lot of the time where you know things are built up you know uh, and and spielberg would would do this so well obviously in jaws i know by <laughs> I know that wasn't by choice necessarily in, in terms of Jaws, but, you know, you have the, the little sh- kind of shuffling noises. You get little glimpses of of kind of what he looks like, you know, and then particularly when he's hiding out in the back garden in the bushes and there's that great, great scene where Elliot has gone out to the garden to kind of get away from the family drama and he's sitting out on a on a deck chair or whatever in the garden and he hears the noises and he just thinks it's like a, a strange animal or something and... Uh, he does he drop the M&Ms or does he tempt them out with the M&Ms initially? I can't remember. He has M&Ms anyway. And um, he it's it's revealed, uh, you know, what what E.T. looks like. And I think it's this it's this brilliant kind of moment of like because straight away you're like, oh, what is this, you know, mysterious creature that's making all this kind of, you know, shuffling weird little noises and you're getting little small glimpses of him. Then it's like, bam, there he is kind of thing. And the two of them scream at each other like and and uh Elliot runs inside and then obviously eventually then, you know, they um, he brings him into the house and he realises, oh, this isn't just, you know, any old thing that's wandered into the garden. This is really cool. This guy's from another planet. Let's, you know, bring him in. Let's take care of him. Let's look after him. And then they develop this kind of really amazing bond. So much so that um, they become emotionally and kind of, like connected even when they're not in the same uh, room in the same space or even kind of in, in the same vicinity at all because there's a great scene where E.T. is uh, you know supposed to stay put in the house kind of when they're all gone to school and um, it mirrors um, The Quiet Man with uh, Maureen O'Hara and, and uh, John Wayne uh, mm. but basically Elliot's at school and there's this uh, science experiment where they're supposed to be dissecting the frogs and um, E.T.'s at home watching The Quiet Man, I think he is, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, he basically, um, it's like this weird connection because Elliot is so kind of traumatised by the frogs being in in the jars that he decides to kind of release them. And there's a whole big hullabaloo in, in the, in the classroom and E.T.'s watching, uh, the quiet man at the time. And then they kind of, there's this, the whole thing where, um, 
the 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 scene basically kind of copying what yeah their movements are influencing each other yeah like the the door sweeps open with the wind and Mm. um elliot ends up pulling on the girl he likes hand and all this kind of stuff he's like a parasitic type life form (laughs) takes over and controls the brain of the thing just an interesting thing and i I forgot to mention earlier on just i noticed a small thing but when you're talking about the the m&ms that he, he puts to lead them out yeah do you know, first of all, I remember hearing about this before and it was a huge thing. Apparently, it's seen as like one of the biggest marketing blunders of all time all right. because it wasn't actually M&M's, uh, even though they look like M&M's. It was Reese's Pieces. Oh, you know, that's kind of, right. Yeah. yeah. Because what happened, and they're the, the, actually Reese's Pieces are really nice. Uh, I'm not sure if they're as common here as they would be maybe in the States or something. Like that. But they're like peanut butter things. I guess they make little, uh, what you call it? little m&m type candy yes. as well because because m&m was m&m's was originally meant to sponsor it and they turned it down or there was a mistake there or they didn't happen and reese's pieces took it up instead and ended up making a fortune because of it uh their sales went shot straight up no and um, so it was like a it was a big marketing success for them a big marketing disaster for m&m's that's um, gas because over here we don't like we have now we have like yeah, it's kind of yeah. infiltrated our market recently, though, very recently the last kind yeah. of couple of years but um yeah that's so funny because we obviously over here all thought it was m&ms then yeah that's yeah. that's that's mad but yeah this is yeah and this you know he he's he's into his candy is is he, really, he likes he you, likes you it. have been listening to candy corner with yes, ross lee <laughs> this podcast has kindly been sponsored <laughs> My favorite candy selections on all the candies that feature in major motion. Well, oh my god, that's good. Know, pod, well, product good placement is going to be is going to be such a big yeah, part yeah. of one of the films yeah. we're talking about later on. It so is. just oh, that yeah. show, and it it's it's like stuff like this and how big an influence um, and how famous that story is about that has an influence on how films were made afterwards because marketing in movies you know i'm sure it didn't start with et but it certainly you know made it a more um you know a more popular thing they realized what a success all right so let's, get let's get back yes. to the plot let's get back yes <laughs> so there you go uh so the uh so yeah they they become kind of you know as one i suppose they become very very connected kind of emotionally and and spiritually and even physically because when et starts to get sick because he's been away from his own planet for too long elliot also begins to kind of to to, to feel sick as well but they discover these amazing powers like you know from that et has like he's able to bring things back to life and um you know he's he's able to you know communicate okay limited limited communication with them but you know he tries to kind of explain to them that he needs to phone home he needs to get back to his planet he needs, he needs, he needs his mom and dad <laughs> he used to phone home but yes is he from Kerry <laughs> he's from Kerry um, so uh, and then of course all the while those pesky government agents they know they know that E.T. is around they know that there's a, a extraterrestrial life force uh, around in California so they're trying to hunt him down so they're on the trail um, There's it's gas that this film actually is always shown kind of around Christmas time because for me it's kind of a Halloween movie because they do have a Halloween it's said at Halloween time they they you know dress him up and bring him out trick-or-treating and all the rest of it and I suppose the kind of the the climax of it kind of happens in and around the sort of Halloween time as well um but that's kind of basically it in a nutshell you know the and and it's obviously then you know once he he is kind of um trying to get home the the, the government agents press in even more and then you know things kind of reach their climax and there's the, that amazing scene that we were talking about with the bikes flying through the air across the moon and everything else um i think it's up there as one of the top 
moments in in movie history of all time ever i don't think there's too many that can that can top it it's up there very iconic very iconic i mean you know it straight away when you see it but um yeah so that's so that's the movie in a nutshell and like really i think you know okay obviously there's been movies around um aliens and there's been movies around children and aliens but when you go back to you know this idea of adventure and magic and one of the best movies of all time like it has to be in there really does it's just uh, as you say iconic yeah and when you rewatched it uh i don't know if it was just recently or when you tried to get killian to rewatch it <laughs> did you um did you find yourself in the way ross is is uh you know, rewatched it and, and is now identifying with the federal government. <laughs> Did you find yourself identifying with uh, D. Wallace's mother and kind of going, well, yeah. what are we, you know, I did what? A bit, don't let yeah. that thing into the house, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the magic will always be there because, you know, we've spoken about this before when we when we rewatch things, you know, I think particularly things that are beloved to us, we do kind of go back to that time. You, you do yeah. get transported back to that time yourself when you watched it first. But yeah, I totally did. And I mean, I mean, she's really trying to do her best like and you, you kind of think Jesus you know she's she's a single mother three children they're all a bit mad those children uh then an alien coming into the mix as well but then you yeah. know there's that there's the there is the kind of um great scene with her as well where she realizes that Elliot is you know obviously so connected to this other being um and she just that mother instinct kind of kicks in and she she realizes that um it's this little guy that's kind of rescued her son all along and like when 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 he goes at the end like she is so upset as well even though she's not been part of the yeah, adventure the you know yeah, but she sees the impact that it's had on on her children and how much they're going to miss this guy and it's kind of it's all that again um, you just so, know you you can't mention mexico around her and now you can't mention outer space <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah definitely not um, I loved her reaction as well when and Elliot calls his brother penis breath. Yeah, I love it. It looks <laughs> it like it's authentic. Yeah. yeah, doesn't it? Because she sh- she's like a shocked face, but she also kind of laughs. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, very authentic. Yeah, it's 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 just brilliant. Like the whole thing. And like even, you know, as young and uh, and everything as, as the likes of Drew Barrymore is in this as well. Like, I mean, as I say, she's so young now. I don't think was that, that was that wasn't her very first role, I don't think. Um, but uh, like, you know, she is really acting her little heart out as well. And like, I mean, OK, there is a real, say, puppet there as opposed to, say, something nowadays that would probably be, you know, CGI'd or, you know, a tennis ball that they'd be looking at maybe as, as actors if it was to be made now. But even so, like for them to connect and react so well to what is essentially a puppet, you know, mm. uh, was pretty impressive. And actually, I found out a, a cool bit of... um. Trivia, because Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Spielberg's longtime collaborator and producer, she actually was so kind of invested in this um, that uh, she went to the Jules Stein Eye Institute to study real and glass eyes. And she hired people from that institute to, to create E.T.'s eyes because she really felt that these this was going to be so important to engage with the audience, the, these eyes and how he looked. And they, they spent ages and ages th- thinking about how E.T. should look because he it's needs so... to obviously be an alien, but obviously yeah. he needs to be 
approachable or something, and, and cuddly yeah. almost in a way yeah. too, you know. Uh, it's uh, are they supposed to be based on Albert Einstein's eyes? Is that there's a combination of him yeah. and uh, oh, there's a couple of other names, uh, not just Einstein, but he is in the mix, yeah. Right, right. Because it was mad you, you mentioned his eyes earlier on because when you we were talking about the puppet and what it looks like now, the eyes are the one thing mm. that still are, you know, seem intact. And they, they're such, um, they seem to hold such character behind them, even though they're obviously not real. Yeah, oh, completely. Like, I mean, it's it, like just goes to show you the, the level of detail and effort and everything that that went into this. Like, and, you know, as we mentioned there at the start with the, you know, painstaking recreation, uh, recreation of the, um, of, of E.T. now, like they even say it was a testament to, to, you know, the production and the design of this. And even I think the fact that his neck um was longer and moving up and down, like that was something that didn't come from Spielberg's mind. That was like the design team again to kind of make him this little bit more unusual, uh, you know, again, adding to that whole kind of you know, obviously alien thing. But um yeah, it's I mean, it's back in cinema's. Uh, at the moment because it is 40 years uh, I'm planning to go back <laughs> this weekend to, to check it out I've seen loads of people uh, have went to it there the last couple of days and people tagging each other on Facebook to go and see it it's great to see that people are you know going back out to, to check it out on the big screen as well which is pretty cool yeah it's 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 one that's definitely worth seeing like I say on the big screen because uh you know, I think so many people watch it or have seen it on on TV because it's something that turns up every Christmas, as you say, even though it's a Halloween movie. But uh, it's a great excuse to go back and see it as it was meant to be seen. Yeah, completely. Um, so should we leave E.T. aside momentarily and bring out his uglier, more disturbing cousins? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> So we're starting with the one that probably is the best known one. And this one was released in 1988. And I hadn't seen it until the other night. And oh God, my eyes, my eyes. Um, it is, of course, from 1988, my, Mac and Me. So essentially, an alien ends up on planet Earth, is separated from his family, soon befriends a young boy, ends up living with him and his older brother, single mom, but not before some pesky FBI agents find out he's missing. Sound familiar? Yeah. It's not E.T. It is Mac and me. <laughs> so, you know, it happens to the best of us, right? Particularly people who write for a living, right? You're staring at the, the dreaded blank page and you're thinking, oh, what will I write about? I need a new hit movie. Oh, look at this. It's a movie about an alien that befriends a young boy. It's everywhere. It's a box office hit. Office hit. Eureka! I've got it. Everybody loved that friendly little weird alien. I bet I could just write a script just as good. Better change some things, though, so nobody thinks I've ripped it off. And this is how I imagine uh, the thought process that went through the mind of Steve Feek before he raced over to his director friend, Stuart Raffilli's house, and he eagerly jumped on board. It's the best ripoff of all time. Uh, then their pals in McDonald's heard another film about a lovable alien was being made and insisted on funding them as long as they showed gratuitous shots of their products and the new alien would also be named after their most famous burger. Uh, as well as that, Coca-Cola also saw an opportunity, cashed in big time in the movie as well because, you know, it's better than water for hydration. So, you know, go on, grab a Coke now. Uh, maybe this is probably the wrong time to tell you that uh, we now have... Uh, 
sponsor. The episode sponsored by Coke. Just uh, letting you know. So uh, everyone's drinking a Coke right now, yeah? I'll take that Coke money. Yeah. I have no scruples. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, Mac and Me yeah, released a mere six years after E.T. was released. So uh, this is... Pr- Brilliant, right? On its release in 1988, the Washington Post, a reviewer said, uh, forget about calling home, E.T., call your lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is brilliant. How this got made is just beyond me. So, you know, instead of the alien uh, landing on Earth, uh, Mac and his family actually get sucked up by a NASA research probe. They were on uh, the alien uh, desert-like planet taking atmospheric samples. That's all they were taking. Uh, the family unwittingly gets sucked into the probe and they end up on Earth. Uh, but like an E.T., Mac gets separated from his parents. Well, actually, they kind of leg it and just like, leave him there uh, and he fed for himself. Uh, he then, you know, they're brought to like the, the they're in obviously the secret government base or whatever. Uh, but he escapes and they, well, they all kind of escape and he's ended up, um, he's separated from, from his family uh, and off he goes to uh, explore this, you know, new planet of uh, that he's landed on. So let's just say Mac the alien looks like E.T.'s ugly cousin twice removed uh, on his very We're distant... going to see uglier. We're yeah, going to see uglier. This is yeah. Uh, the family at the centre of this is the Cruz family no relation to Tom uh, made up of just mum yes just mum but this time it's not a divorce the family is dealing with the death of their father so we've got brothers Michael and Elliot I mean Eric <laughs> uh, uh, and they're moving house guess where they're moving kids California uh, now Eric is um, in a wheelchair you know so different very different to Elliot Um and uh, what happens is Mac ends up in their van. Uh, so they're moving house or whatever. And Mac ends up in the van because he's obviously trying to escape the evil government officials. And soon after they arrive at their new house, um, Elliot, or sorry, <laughs> Eric, <laughs> discovers this strange presence. Uh, now, apart from all that plot detail, you know, in set in California, the names of the characters, the single mom, she also happens to be blonde as well. Uh that's really all I want to say about this god-awful movie because the best thing about this is, right, is the trivia, right? So, get this, right? There's not many big names in uh, the film. However, one extra in the parking lot scene, the crazy dance McDonald's chaotic uh, flash mob sequence is none other than Jennifer Aniston. She's in the parking lot, dancing her little heart out. Apparently that was her, one of her very first jobs. Uh, now you'd blink and you'd miss her kind of thing. Uh, but there you go. Uh, this got all full film, you could say, uh, helped launch the career of a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I think you could you could say that despite being in this god awful yeah, film, yeah. she had a career and she became had a, a superstar. She did. Mm. Now, the other trivia you probably know because it concerns Ant-Man star Paul Rudd and his particular fondness for Mac and me because uh, uh, he does... The, this is brilliant. This is probably the longest running joke in history I'm going to say not even entertainment history uh, for basically 20 years <laughs> talk about keeping the joke running uh, Paul Rudd would appear on the late night show with Conan O'Brien and he'd be up uh, promoting whatever upcoming projects that he'd have but among his new movie clips he would always include the scene from Mac and Me where Eric rolls off a cliff into a lake and uh, this has persisted for more than two decades uh, and they both kind of try to There's uh, just go on to YouTube basically or even just Google Paul Rudd and Mac and me and the whole shebang will come up and you'll know what I'm talking about uh, but the clip that he's talking about is um, yeah Eric uh, basically 
rolls, uh, it's fairly high speed roll into the lake uh, with fright and uh, Mac, the the extraterrestrial, also a little bit like E.T. in the sense that he can rescue people and bring people back to life and all this kind of stuff. Uh, He rescues him uh, from the lake and then, you know, they develop a trust. And that's what mm. kind of happens there. Um, so there are movies out there that no matter how hard you try, you're just not ever going to get the magic from them. And that E.T. is one of them. Like So, you know, from the opening scene um, in, in this where you see the aliens, I mean, like I said, not like, you know, in, in, in E.T., the anticipation is built here. It's just like, oh, my God, you get a full view straight away. And they are just awful to look at i mean all the As, budget from mcdonald's and yeah. coke and they didn't spend anything well, it, yeah i mean it had a huge budget like it had a, a much bigger budget than et didn't it but yeah. as hideous as mac is mac standing of course for mysterious alien creature not the big his, mac no, <laughs> uh, that's purely coincidental yeah uh, his parents are much more unsettling oh god because yeah because Mac oh, is a kind. Of, Mac is a puppet, I think, in most scenes. Yes. But his parents are actors in suits, in suits. with with the same weird head that he has. Oh, it's. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know what someone I, well, he, said? At least he's cute because his oh, eyes are not. big. Yeah. Well, no, no, he's cuter. He's definitely cuter. <laughs> he's definitely cuter than them. But do you know what someone said? And I think this is amazing. I don't know who it was. I can't. I can't quote unquote them, but it's amazing. Someone said they look like pimples that do not want to pop. <laughs> Which I think is fairly accurate. They also have these really weird two bumps in their head, uh, which no doubt will grow into horns because they look like they came straight from hell, basically. And they Although, have, like, yeah, the parents have those bumps, but they haven't quite turned into horns yet, yeah. which is confusing. confusing. And he has this look of almost permanently like he's whistling yeah or yeah that's exactly it his his mouth is kind of in this little round O and he permanently looks surprised that was done by the the Coca-Cola marketing team to like what would fit perfectly a straw yeah Yeah. and it's just so done so dreadfully like that like you know they need coke basically to keep hydrated and you know there's like coke 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 like I mean at one point even they go hey guys let's go and get some Big Macs you know it's just like oh Jesus and then yeah, just before we move off on how unsettling he, he is, there's a scene, again, another scene ripped off from E.T. where he gets dressed up as a bear yes. oh, it's in horrific. order to go oh. out into the into the real world. The real world being a McDonald's, McDonald's. in order to go to a McDonald's, <laughs> where a spontaneous dance yes. breaks out. This, so is years, this film a years ahead of its time, a flash mob. Breaks out in the McDonald's. Oh, and Ronald McDonald is there. And every, <laughs> Ronald McDonald is there. Ranch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, you know, people it's in like, their what 20s. How can Ronald <laughs> McDonald be in every McDonald's? Oh, yeah, it's like yeah. Santa. He's got a lot of helpers. Um, but there's this, because obviously Mac wants to get in on the dancing. Yeah. So he's up on the counter dancing. Oh my God. Brent. But they've got an adult, I think, and they've superimposed it. Because they've got an adult doing these intricate dance moves dressed in this bear costume that's supposed to be Mac. And it's up on the counter and it's just like freaky looking. So freaky. So, so freaky. And like people just think, oh, look, it's a deadly toy. And you're like, we're no children. What are you talking about? There's no way this is a toy. Yeah, it's it's the late 80s. I know for a fact (laughs) that the technology isn't here for this kind of toy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know. Can we just, can we talk about that McDonald's scene for? Oh, yeah. I think we need to. I think it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. So like you say, this is the bit though where, you know, at the very start with the guy crazy dancing in, in the car park, that's where Jennifer Aniston is. You can kind of 
of see her like, yeah, in the yeah. background there. But uh, so it's just kids dancing outside of McDonald's. There's it's yeah, it's not that. kids. It's not kids. It's adults. There is people there say who are kids. in their mid they're, to late twenties. They're younger than me. That's what I mean. Yeah. And I've never seen someone who works at McDonald's look like they are enjoying it ever, yeah. ever. Yeah. And I've been in a lot of McDonald's. Yeah, uh, well, that's because they don't, they, out, they don't have dance parties in McDonald's anymore. That's why. <laughs> well, the, so the, the, the birthday parties at McDonald's used to be a thing. I think yes. they used to. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe they still do. You know, I'm not no, sure. I'm not sure if they do. Them Even anymore. if they were a thing, they weren't. They didn't have choreographed dance sequences. No, where... they did not. No. And yeah, that's the thing. He's going to. He's going to like his friend's birthday party or something like that. Now, I did find right a really amusing article. People should check this out. Den of Geek, Den of Geek right? <laughs> came up with 10 alternative interpretations of Mac and Me, right? And they basically go from everything to it's a feature-length brochure for pine furniture because <laughs> there's some fantastic pine in the really list, is. right? Uh, two, uh, it's a warning. Uh, it's an anti-drugs movie, right? So they're saying, remember all the uh, references to Coke? Maybe somebody misunderstood the stage directions and they were meant to be addicted to other, more powdery type of coke. That's <laughs> what they say. Uh, and also, it's like probably the worst advertisement ever for McDonald's, they say, because because of this scene that we're talking about, because it's the most disturbing, messed up scene ever. It would make you not want to go to McDonald's. So there you no, go. I, know, I know for a fact what the Mac and Me is about. And it is because you see, you, you, you've explained there, they're moving across the country to go to California because the mother gets a job with Sears. And there are Sears uh, yes. in ev- every town <laughs> in, in the USA. But apparently oh. this one, this is like uh, Daniel's in, in Karate Kid's Karate mother yes. moving yeah. the entire way across the country to get a job that she could have got in New Jersey where she's from. So yeah. they're, they're driving in, in their station wagon with all of their uh, belongings in there. And uh, I think I think it's Eric or I don't know. Yeah, it, it is Eric. He, he looks out the back and goes, look at all those cars. <laughs> <laughs> and I think just after that, the mother swerves off the road. The station wagon flips over several times. All his, the mother and the brother are killed instantly on impact. <laughs> but Eric is bleeding out. He's had trauma to the head. And he imagines the entire film then Ooh. after that. That would have been better. Wow. But you know, funny as you say it's that. Pretty because, dark. <laughs> because the ending, the ending of this is just so hor- horrifically bad. So Mac oh, is reunited yeah. with his family. They all end up in Eric's van and they stop off at this gas station, I think, for more Coke. Because, you know, Coke is life. <laughs> They're all in this gas station. The government officials and the police are after him. The dad alien has a gun because, you know, God bless America. And there could be a shootout about to happen, right? But Eric and his family protest. There's some sort of weird explosion that happens. Eric ends up dying. And Can we just say? Really explain. It's like, is that blunt force drama? Or like, <laughs> I don't know. What does he, he die dies. of? I think in the original one, Probably one of the guys accidentally <laughs> shoots him. Yeah, that was in the original. Um, I mean, but like, I think, that makes sense. Th- I think he dies in the explosion or something. But the aliens, yeah. aliens emerge, of course, from the flames, place their hands over his chest. He levitates and comes back to life. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, they brought it back to life, but he's still in the wheelchair. That's because I will give Mac and me one little credit. The actor is really in a wheelchair. He's and 
Yeah, he's got spina bifida and he uh, would have been, he had a few roles actually uh, as a disabled actor playing disabled roles. So maybe Mac and me was a little bit before its time there, which is good. Yeah, I thought that was a kind of a progressive. Yeah. Hurtling him down the the (laughs) hill into the lake. Maybe wasn't Maybe the most progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, but. I'm pretty sure it was a dummy in the, yeah. when, he, when he went into the lake. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he it was. did come down that hill at a good old speed. Mind it you. was he 80s. Did. It was the uh, 80s. He wouldn't yeah. know. Uh, but weirder still, uh, okay, in this kind of final, final scene. So it's panning over to this guy. He's listing the, the constitutional rights. And then there's like a load of people with their hand in the air. And then the entire alien family are clothed with their hands up because they became American citizens and they can live here now and the father can drive and everything at the end I mean seriously and it turns out they were they were carrying a parasite that no one knew about and the entire human race died from it yes but they uh, were were delighted because they had loads of coke the suggestion (laughs) the suggestion that they could live a normal American life in their pink Cadillac oh. wearing their clothes blowing their bubblegum blowing their bubblegum well their mouths are the right shape to blow bubblegum <laughs> that's true and actually at the end there's a big bubblegum that comes Ooh, out yep. that says we'll be back <laughs> no you won't Mac and me you're forever in the archives uh, yeah. but uh, basically this movie is so horrible I wouldn't even wish it upon my worst enemies really and truly it's like somebody going into your mind and pissing all over your fond childhood memories of E.T. That's this movie's like <laughs> it's the most obvious example I've ever seen of product placement yeah. uh, in a movie for yeah me. Don't watch it. Apart from Wayne's World when they... Oh, that's great though. Yeah. It's kind of as blatant (laughs) as that really. Do you know what I mean? But it's not tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, One thing in its favour I will say is the... uh, It's not as good as John Williams' score but Alan Silvestri's score is much better than it has any right to be for the yes. film that it accompanies you know he he was the, he would have uh, done the score for back to the future and mm. the avengers movie as well um now there are bits where you kind of feel like he he didn't see the film or it was edited <laughs> yeah it was edited in a very different way because the music does not match what's going on in the no. in the actual scene but uh you know on its own to listen to it's a nice kind of 80s you know yeah. uh, adventure children's film or score basically yes, but yes. Uh, yeah it's but just a pity that it's uh, it's attached to this film I would say to watch it though it's where even just to have a better understanding of Paul Rudd you know yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> how his mind works absolutely so moving swiftly on you thought Mac and me was disturbing Niall what have you got for us okay so this is from 1987 this is a film called Nuki and it's directed by Sias Odendal and uh, it's from South Africa. And I know both of you love internet movie trivia because yeah. you spend yes. <laughs> that's All mostly what you talk about. Internet movie trivia is not always correct, children. <laughs> right? What? A lot of people put things up just because they kind of think, oh, it's, it's funny. Now, part of the internet movie trivia for this film is that it is Nelson Mandela's favourite film from 1988. <laughs> I don't think that that's true 
Well, because it came out unless. <laughs> well, no, but uh, it, I think it was late 1988. So, uh, but yeah. it, it's in his list of yes. best films. So he would have still been in prison on Robin Island, I think, back then. <laughs> so unless this was some cruel and unusual punishment that the guards would inflict on him by making him watch Nuki over and over and over again, uh, I do not believe that this is uh, Nelson Mandela's favorite movie from 1988 because this is a hideous film. If you thought Mac and Me was a hideous film this is uh, this is a uh, worse by a, a matter of leagues if et is the king of aliens nuki is oh i don't a know dookie. i don't know <laughs> dookie is a dookie it, it, have, have you seen you've not seen the film but have you seen no. the nuki character design oh he's like an awful yeah. troll that wants to he's eaten <laughs> et he's a troll that <laughs> et et and then shit him out again yeah, so he, looks he looks to me depressing. like if you said if you if you gave Jim Henson uh, some LSD and he had a bad trip and then went and made <laughs> a Muppet, that's what Nuki looks like. That's and a very good description. This yeah. is a this is a children's movie. This is not like the one you're going to be talking about. Ross is is essentially an adult movie, but this is a children's film. Um, it is in the same way uh, that that Mac and Me a couple of years later is a rip off of ET. This is a rip off of ET as well. Um, it has none of the charm or likability that I think even Mac and Me has. Mac and mm. Me has oh. no charm and likability, no, but this has like... even less. <laughs> um, uh. So this is the story of of uh, two two aliens. So what's better than one alien being <laughs> two, stranded well, on Earth? Two aliens being stranded on Earth. <laughs> so Nuki and his brother Miko basically are flying around space, and they don't need a spaceship to fly around space. They're so much better than ET and his family <laughs> who fly around in a giant Christmas ornament, or even the Mac and Me guys who get sucked up into a space vacuum they can fly around space because they can transform themselves into uh, uh, light beings that can zip about and they come upon earth and they say let's go down and have have a look let's see what's going on and they say it in this voice this is another thing about this film there are a lot of uh, apart from nuki and miko there are a lot of inanimate or we'll say not inanimate but a lot of of things that you don't expect to talk talk right <laughs> so first of all there's a computer that talks and then nuki has this kind of uh, psychic ability to understand certain animals as well yeah and all of the voiceover acting in this is horrific but the most horrific are the voiceover uh artists who voice nico and miko <laughs> nuki and miko <laughs> this is like an elliot eric, eric situation again um you know, so and the, Nuki and Miko speak like uh, Victorian orphans drunk on gin. Oh, that that's very particular. That makes it sound like it makes it sound like it's great fun, but it's not. And there's one particular scene. Okay, right. So they, all right, they're gonna they're gonna explore Earth. So they okay. come into Earth's gravitational pull, and uh, the gravitational pull kind of um, messes them up. So Nuki ends up crash landing in Africa and Miko ends up crash landing or is about to crash land somewhere over the, the United States. So it's it's Florida, actually. And we find out it's Florida because and this is where I don't think you, you uh, understood in E.T. Like NASA turn up or whoever the FBI turn up is because they have been tracking this giant ship. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. they know it's landed and that's where they turn up. So in this... 
NASA don't turn up because who turns up is this uh, this organization called uh, the Space. What is it they're called? The Space uh, Foundation, right? Oof. And I can only assume that the reason that it's not NASA because the Space Foundation drive around in cars that say NASA. Okay. So I wonder if the if the plan was NASA we're gonna we're gonna use NASA and then NASA heard about this and watched the film and said. We literally just had the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster last year. We're not going to be involved in another disaster as big as that, which is what this film is. So they've been tracking Miko. They say Miko is... Well, they don't know it's Miko. They say this this unidentified glowing object is coming in. We're going to go out and we're going we're gonna to capture him. Meanwhile, across the globe, they know that there's another one over in Africa, which is Nuki. And um, but they don't know exactly where. So they're basically they've they've narrowed it down to somewhere in Africa, <laughs> which is going to be important because they send a scientist over to try and find him. And one scientist. One scientist over to try and find the whole continent. And he basically of the entire <laughs> continent of Africa to 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 search. So basically, this uh, space. Uh, what what did I say they were called? The space or space foundation was space it? Space foundation. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they uh, they capture Miko. They got Miko in their in their space foundation headquarters, and you can tell it's the space foundation headquarters because you uh, every time that we cut back to the space foundation headquarters, you see the same shot of what looks like a university halls of residence. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you go inside and you see these people in in white coats and they're discussing things and um, they they've got they have this this supercomputer that does all of the computing for the space foundation called uh, Eddie. What does it? It stands for something, but I can't remember what it is. But anyway, and Eddie can talk as well, uh, and that's going to be important for later on in it. And they have uh, computer screens and they flash various bits of useless information and and uh, uh, you know and things just to make it look like they're or just to make if you're watching it if if you have epilepsy to make you have a seizure basically <laughs> um yeah so eddie is the electronic digital data intelligence oh, you get there it? You go. Oh, Very i good. hate when they hand-fistedly <laughs> throw together a thing to make it a name yeah oh. and you're gonna hate it even more because of how what happens with eddie but anyway that's what's happening over in america meanwhile nuki is back in africa and he is kind of first of all he crash lands at night or he his his yeah he crash lands at night and he he gives out about the fact that there's no light oh this is a very dark planet he says or he says it like a victorian orphan this is a very dark planet <laughs> 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 then uh that said a bit he sounds a bit like bane but not as cool uh then the sun sh- comes up and he looks at the sun and goes this planet is too bright <laughs> he's not fucking happy is he no mm-hmm. um He's not happy because he's separated from his his Miko, from his brother Miko. And you can tell this because they have a psychic connection, a bit like Elliot and E.T. They have a psychic connection. And we know this because Nuki goes, Miko! And Miko goes, Nuki! And then Nuki goes, Miko! And then Miko goes, Nuki! That's what having so, a brother is all about. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> Warren! Ross! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Nuki begins to realise that uh, Miko is somewhere 
called America because one of the, one of the, the Space Foundation scientists have gone, well, we don't know what he is, but he belongs to America now. <laughs> so that's how Miko knows that he's in America or that's where he thinks he is. And Nuki goes, how do I, how do I get to America? So who do you ask if you need to go to America? You ask a monkey. <laughs> so, a baboon now first of all we find out that giraffes Nuki can understand baboons and lions because of some kind of psychic thing but he can't giraffes I think giraffes are like the bimbos of the jungle they just have okay. nothing going on in their yeah, heads their mates are too far away <laughs> their mates are too far away so he, he gets he gets a chatting with a baboon and a baboon says uh, well I, I, I don't know where this America is but I tell you who does my cousin my cousin Charlie who's a chimp why don't you go and try and find him and he might be able to help you because he hangs out with people Charlie hangs out with people whereas the, the baboon doesn't he's just hanging out in the jungle so as this is happening then these two young African I think it's set in Nairobi even though it's, it's a South African film but these two young African boys uh, brothers as well they're trying I think for a bit of a a kind of synergy you know a little bit like uh nico and or nuki and miko <laughs> they're trying so these two brothers i think they're called tico and tito <laughs> something i can't remember oh um, my god they come up they come upon nuki they find him right and they freak out and run away Okay. Which is exactly is the right thing to do. <laughs> Based on how he looks as well, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Unfortunately, they that's that's not their last interaction with Miko. Uh, Miko goes off to try and... He finds Charlie. Charlie is hanging out in a general store, right? This film as well has kind of a little bit racist overtones a little bit because all the Africans are kind of tribesmen and they're wearing line cloths and things like that. Whereas all the white people are, you know, they're either scientists or they're missionaries. And a, there's a kind of an element of that that's not not cool. But um, hold on, are go- you telling me that a, that a film in <laughs> the late 1980s, <laughs> apartheid no. South Africa had racist undertones? That was Nelson Mandela's favourite movie of 1988. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so uh, Nuki manages to meet Charlie, or as he calls him, Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> and Charlie, the chimpanzee, is an incredible... If you thought Nico was annoying, my God. It's like they kind of go, I can, I can one-up the annoyingness of this character. So as a chimpanzee, is like who... I think it's a little bit like Stewie from Family Guy. I think only Nuki can hear him, right? But we can hear him as the audience. And every time, any time he can come in with an incredibly inane bit of like chat, like a one-liner that some screenwriter somewhere thought, the kids are going to love this, aren't they? You know, a kind of sass-talking chimpanzee. He does, but it's never funny. It's never kind of, it doesn't help the plot along at all. And it's just incredible. It's like everything else about this film. Incredibly annoying. Um, I don't know if I want to talk about this film anymore. I'll be honest <laughs> <laughs> is it, 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 It's not so bad, it's good kind of thing, is it? No, it's, it's, 
it's absolutely terrible. I hated watching this film. I really did. You know, it made me like it made me. It's years since I've seen Mac and Me, but he. It made me as I was watching, going, I really wish I'd watched Mac and Me instead of this. This is there is nothing to recommend this about. It is. I mean, it's like like you're saying. Yeah, watch my Mac and Me is worth watching, I think, because it is somewhere in that kind of you get a laugh from yeah. the blatant product placement. There's nothing in this that will make you you laugh. There's nothing in it that will give you a chuckle. There's nothing in it that will make the corner of your mouth turn up. The the puppets are incredibly unsettling. <laughs> the uh, as I say, this the the voiceover from the chimpanzee is just annoying. All of the human characters are just horrible. Like, not there's nothing to recommend it. Absolutely. Even Toki and Tico, the two youngsters that I, <laughs> I guess we're supposed to kind of, you know, maybe, you know, have some feeling for. I was just, I, I was, I mean, we joked about it there, but I was wishing that Miko and Nuki had brought some kind of horrific virus from the stars that would kill everybody and that's what the film would be about. <laughs> so yeah. And I'm not even gonna talk about the ending where again it's it's I it's I, I is it a trope? Is it is it like when they're making these knockoffs so they go, Okay, we've gotta have this scene when this happens. We've got to have this oh, scene where can I take a someone guess? someone dies and then they're brought back to life by <laughs> yeah. the alien. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, seriously, Stupid. come on. Yeah, yeah. I actually hate yeah. scenes where people are brought back to life in movies. I hate because as soon as the main character dies, I'm like, I don't I don't care. They'll be brought back, you know, especially in these kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. it's not it's not even that they're brought. It's that there's a kind of a, a hopeless situation and everything looks like it's lost. And then one of the characters make a wish and then everything's all right. <laughs> Oh, um, oh, it is. Terrible. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel bad because my idea, my it was my idea. I said, oh, you said ET is forty. Let's do one about ET. And I said, oh yeah, you know why not watch all these terrible knockoffs? <laughs> and by God, did fate have its revenge on me by making me watch Nuki? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. could it get any worse, Ross? Tell us about oh. what you've picked. So, so when we were deciding on this uh, particular topic, I think it was, was it was it yourself, Sinead, who'd suggest it or was it Niall? I suggested like E.T. generally. Yes, yeah. And then Niall said, well, why don't we do, there's a lot of rip-offs and, and movies that are looking to cash in on the success of E.T. So let's look at some of those. And I said, that's a great idea. I knew Mac and Me was one. And then I was saying, well, do you have any other suggestions? And you said, well, Nuki is one as well. And also there is another one called Extro. That's spelled X-T-R-O. That was released the same year. And I said, well, that sounds interesting. I know it's on Prime, so I'm going to watch that. Um. It's hard to see. I can see the connection between Mac and me and E.T. and the connection uh, between Nuki and E.T. The only connection I can really see here between this movie, uh, Extro, uh, and and E.T. is the fact they were both released the same year. And all movie um, called it, well, they called it pure trash. And they said it was made to capitalize on public interest in E.T., the extraterrestrial, and basically presents the gory, sexy exploitation movie oh, uh, take on the film's Alien Visits Earth's premise. So, but that's exactly what I think, as good as we all agree E.T. is, what it yes. was missing 
was some sexy <laughs> exploitation. <laughs> this um, was well, this was I wasn't sure what to expect and I kind of went into it a little bit blind. If you look at the especially if you look at the, the poster, which I think was the only thing I saw um going into this, it's really, really hokey looking. And you can tell it's not a cutesy alien like E.T. or even if you're being generous, Mac and me are even more generous like Nuki. It's very clearly a disturbing, disgusting looking David Cronenberg looking esque looking I alien. Gonna, I, gotta, I, gotta I, I think I think in the beauty pageant of of aliens, I think Extra is coming in last, isn't he? Ah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Slow is closely followed by Nuki, then Mac and me, and then ET is going away with the tiara. Oh God, <laughs> he's like, oh my God, he's horrific. Yeah, there's yeah. And, and you know what? Stuff there's several. Nightmares. There's several different. Um, forms this this takes so this just to tell you a little bit about movie it's it's a horror or it's a horror movie basically um and it's it's like a science fiction horror film it's 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 the action in this is set in the uk a very dreary rainy miserable looking 80s london um which is weird because you look at 1982 california and you're like that looks lovely um and you compare it to like 1982 um london's burning backdrop films extra that's what it looks like um it, there's a basically the, the the plot of the story is it starts off there's a father and son playing outside a cottage one day uh the sky goes black it all starts lighting up with some dreadful i must say absolutely dreadful kind of special effects um which could they could be passable if it's a stylistic choice maybe the father gets abducted oh jeepers yeah, by, by the aliens. And then a, a space of three years passes. Uh, in that space of three years, the kid is obviously a bit messed up over the whole thing. The mother thinks the, the father has just ran off and the child is making up the story about abduction to, in a way of to kind of deal with it. Um, regardless, she's, she's started dating a Canadian-American guy and it is confused why the kid isn't accepting him as a new stepfather <laughs> type figure. Um, and then what happens is the kid starts getting dreams of the father and stuff like that and one day bright flashing lights come again and uh, an alien comes down onto earth and actually this is the part this is the picture you might have seen of the alien it's actually quite ingenious what they did for this because it looks really creepy and um and one that's one thing i will say for this as well the the costume work and the the um you know the the gore and stuff like that is all done quite well and disturbing um but what they did was a guy is basically uh, like how how do I describe this so he's basically has his hands backwards he's like save you're lying down on your back and you put your feet up and your hands up so it looks like you're crawling but backwards so they did that but then basically put the mask on the back of his head and had him walking backwards it looks really creepy it's a really simple effect to do uh and but it just looks really terrifying so that's what the alien creature looks like so it's not your cute it's not your adorable et he (laughs) arrives on the planet gets hit by a really 80s volvo um and not a station he, wagon <laughs> not a station wagon no they are moving to california no in this such, case. yeah no no such things in britain in 1983 yeah. 
No. So he quickly um, kills the two people who are in the uh, in the car in a very gory way uh, before arriving at another house where he kills and then in the very much in the style of Alien um, with the face huggers he attacks a woman and um, like clearly impregnates her I guess her mouth <laughs> you know oh, um, yeah so as you can tell this is not a family friendly movie do not show this to kids <laughs> um, <laughs> What follows? Well, it has some sort of warped punishment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the, the video box would make you think that all the entire family can sit around and watch this. <laughs> Kids today would love it because it's got a lot of action. Yeah. There wouldn't be no drawn <laughs> scenes. talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, there is a scene here which I, I kind of was... I was in shock and horror, but also laughed my ass off. Um, that, that woman who I was talking about who just got you know face fucked i guess i don't know i don't know what why other way to say it um it cuts to her she kind of comes around she's obviously in a bad way and then she starts you know convulsing like they do in alien actually exactly like they do oh, in God. alien um so she starts convulsing and stuff like that and remember alien was only out what 79 i think it was so it was yeah. only like a couple of years before this so it obviously took inspiration from it but before you know it her stomach starts expanding she goes beyond pregnant to turbo pregnant um <laughs> to like the, where it's bigger her pregnant bump, pregnancy bump is bigger than her body in the space of a couple of minutes and next thing it shows from between her legs it's horrific a, a human man, a full size man, comes out of tearing, her. Comes out of her with oh, all gosh. the blood and gore, and it's just. <laughs> I oh, watched it gosh. with it's the my... miracle of childbirth. Well, in this case, <laughs> the miracle of manbirth. Oh, sweet! God. My jaw was on the absolute floor, and I went from being like, "Oh my god, that is vile," to laughing because in disbelief, it was just just horrendous to watch. Um, after that, of course, he comes out and he grabs the umbilical cord, which oh. I don't know how how often, how much feeding he got in the couple of minutes he was in there. He has to bite the umbilical cord himself because, of course, he did, he does because it's nasty. So ends up the the newborn baby man is actually the the father that we saw at the start of the movie. So obviously he's come back, but he's not clearly not quite the same person. Um, he goes off and reconnects with the family. There's a bit of tension, obviously, between himself and and the wife, who's annoyed that he's there, but there's still a romantic interest there. The new boyfriend isn't happy with him being around, and before you know it, the kid starts acting weird, and yeah, it kind of goes on from there. This movie is like some of the reviews of this genius. Called... You're going to say genius, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been called a vile exercise in grotesque special effects and uh it's basically from there from from as soon as the father gets back it's all just set pieces of 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 grotesque um vile body what's a body horror kind Mm. of stuff like it's kind of like The Fly or any David, Cron- David Cronenberg movie, except more gory, less suspense, I would say. I was expecting to be maybe scared a little bit more because it's very gory and grim and stuff like that. But it doesn't really build up to any of it. It just kind of happens you, and moves yeah, on. Were you, were you not scared when the giant action man came in and started killing people? 
that's actually <laughs> oh, I will God. say there is an element where it's never really fully explained but the father kind of is saying to the son look when I was abducted by the aliens I changed I had to change to survive on their planet and I want you to change with me and you know I'm going to bring you back to the alien planet with me and all that sort of stuff and the kid starts to change and becomes a bit more evil and he uh he says look you can control things with your mind a little bit um and he's like cool yeah right whatever and <laughs> so he's he the people that annoy the kid find a grisly grisly end like there's a house um their landlord who lives in the same apartment building um who actually i think was um i think actually played a role in eastenders for a while i, I wouldn't be too familiar with eastenders now but um she she is annoys the kid so he sends <laughs> he sends his action figure it's like an action man figure it grows life size um with a plastic head and clearly wearing rubber gloves to look like plastic hands and it comes in and kicks in her door and kills her and that sequence is actually pretty pretty scary i actually quite like that it was quite original um less original was the clown that he had in his room coming alive being oh played there's by always a clown actor. isn't there yeah and it, it, like he he does away with uh annalise mercier who's playing their their au pair i guess who who was helping out um when it comes down to the sex sexual exploitation -y part of it i think a lot of that comes down to that character who plays the au pair and she's played by uh mariam uh, dabo who who you might know as um, she played the kind of Bond girl in um, in the Living Daylights, which was out in 1987. So that would have been five years after this movie was made. I think this movie, Extro, was her her film debut. So I think any of the exploitation or the sexual elements of the movie were in that. She's playing a very sexually charged au pair where, like, she's she's meant to be minding this child, and she's like, "It's the woman from Blank Check." <laughs> no, she's not right. She's not riding the kid. <laughs> no, she says like, "Okay, you go off and play." And she's like, brings a lad into the room and stuff like that. And he's knocking the door. Can we play hide and seek? And he's like, "Yeah, we're sorry, we're we're playing hide the sausage already inside here in the room, so we can't." So um, she gets you know killed as well. Not to give it too much away. That's kind of it for the movie. It's 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 really really gross it's really disgusting there's no there's not that much tension and it got really ter really really terrible reviews but, but despite that sequel like sequel sequel <laughs> yeah there, there's not only one but there's what? two there was extra two the second encounter which was made uh in eight years later 1990 uh, i think the the the, the, the sequel moved the action to the United States and I think there was very little to do with the first movie then in um, 1995 we had Extro 3 Watch oh, the Skies um, which is quite amazing and would you believe for any fans of 1 and 2 we have Extro 4 in the works on well, its way oh fantastic well they say it was on on the way uh, that was said in March 2011 mm -hmm. so unless he's putting you know just a lot of time to making the movie special um, we might be waiting you know we might still be waiting it's done by Harry Bromley Davenport he was the, the name of the director and he's done some other stuff nothing much you'd know um, there is one other movie that he has done which sounds interesting Mockingbird 
uh, Don't Sing from 2001. It's a story about a um basically a child who was neglected so much that they were like a feral child but it was in a suburban setting it's kind of based on a true story that sounds interesting but i haven't seen it but besides that i don't think there's much else from him but not only did he do the um as is the case with a lot of these real low budget body horror movies he directed it he was involved in the story the screenplay but he also did the um he also did the the music for it as well which just sounds like synthesizer screaming really it's 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 uh Niall had you you were like we I was thinking great okay this is going to be like a British ET I'm looking forward to it as I said I didn't do much research into it. Um, you were straight it in was, you you said well what, what are we watching and Sinead went well I'm doing Mac and me and I said uh, and then like straight in you were like I'm doing extra yeah, that's because it, it was on. It was on Amazon Prime. I was like, Ram, you heard, I to you heard, sexy online. sexploitation. Et, you went. That's what I want. <laughs> it's, it's sold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Done, done. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I have, I have seen it. it. It's, it's kind of infamous, really, because it is. It's a bit of a mess of a movie, but mm. the, I think the. Now it depends on what let's say what you're into, but like the some of the the body horror stuff, the effects are really good. You know what I mean? The story. Oh yeah. The story is kind of like it is. It's interesting to me that, as you say, it was. It's not really an ET uh, ripoff because it came out just like within a, a couple of months after ET. So there's no mm. way that they could have seen it or it could yeah. have. But but I think you know the idea that you know word was out that ET was being made might yes. have you know in some way kind of inspired them to do it. But it's funny I that have... all these. It wouldn't have hurt them, you know, like they're like, no, oh, there's yeah, a yeah. popular alien movie. Great. We have an alien <laughs> movie. Yeah. I think, like you say, uh, Alien, uh, the 1979 Alien is more of a more of an influence on it probably mm. than, than E.T. But it's funny how all these movies have, you know, either an absent father or a dead mm. father or a father who gets abducted and then comes back as some kind of yeah. mad alien. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, or um, yeah, and um, what was that? I was just, I was just gonna say, like it is, it is, uh, it's a it's a perfect schlocky B movie. I think you know what I mean. Mm. Like for all the, like I think Ebert hated it. I think he said it's mean spirited. I I don't know. Like it's it is what it is. It's a yeah. It's a, I, I thought like that a, I saw that review. I thought that was a bit overstating it. Like yeah, it was, yeah. You know, it's it, the kind of it's the kind of back in the day and I think it was it wasn't wasn't extreme enough to be banned like a video nasty mm, but mm. it was on like a kind of video nasty adjacent list you know what yeah. I mean where yeah. it was like watch out for this but, one yeah <laughs> but you know uh I often talk about the, the the video shop back in the day you look at the cover that's all you had to go on and like yeah. that would have if you were looking for something that was going to freak you out, the cover of that would have freaked you, and you would have gone, "Yeah, that's my Friday night." <laughs> and do you yeah. know what? There is a, there is a, like I as well, like I didn't hate this movie. You know, I, I know I say it was mm. terrible and stuff like that, but there's a certain population, and myself, I think, would be included, who kind of enjoy those sort of movies. They, you know, they they find them kind of a little bit funny, and you know mm. that sort of thing. And I think it's perfect for that. Really, it, it kind of fills that role perfectly. You're not going in expecting Spielberg inspiration. You know, you're cycling across the moon type stuff, and you're not going to get it. Um, but it's I perfect for I what you think want. they should have used the extra design for ET. I think that would have been a much better. <laughs> <laughs> they should have. Can you imagine the... if Extro came out of the garden shed? Oh God. Yeah, I and would to pay eat the Reese's pieces. <laughs> a lot of money to see that 
exact birthing scene in E.T. That's how oh E.T. got to the planet. He was birthed. <laughs> in um, the most I grotesque meant, fashion. I meant to ask, um, and I forgot, uh, how do you think the Mac and Me puppet held up? Do you think it's still... <laughs> oh yeah it is a good question good actually yeah well yeah. maybe it was made out of big macs yeah, you know, if it was made out of big macs it would still be in perfect condition yeah. like the big mac all from that, 1980 all that coke, all yeah. That coke. <laughs> yeah he's in mint condition he is <laughs> um, no I think I think they burned Nuki I think they yeah. nuked Nuki <laughs> and then extra there's probably he a probably is around of, warehouse full of the different uh, the different ones or certainly the hopefully the the guy who played him crawling backwards is still with us <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so disturbing but that is such a simple effect it's like because I think we saw that in another movie was it in The Exorcist where the yeah. girl kind of but she's mm. the hands over the head in this one it's the like I can't really describe it if you look it up you'll see what I mean it's the arms up uh, not over the head but down the other way it just looks creepy as fuck it's, I just thought it was an ingenious really cheap and easy effect that's very effective yeah so it's getting the thumbs up for, for a body horror I'm, what I'm hearing is I'm what not I'm hearing that. is Extra 2 and 3 are on the watch list this weekend <laughs> yeah for us and then we're all sending an email to Harry whatever Davenport is that Bromley Davenport yeah. <laughs> have a Harry Bromley Harry Bromley Davenport at gmail.com going we will invest in extra four. We will. Uh, <laughs> we no got a lot extra. Of, <laughs> no a lot extra of, extra for me, please. No. We got a lot of uh, Coca Cola money that we got from Coca Cola. <laughs> from this episode. <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine as well if Extra was sponsored by Coca Cola? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just, you know, in the middle of all this horrible body horror and sex scenes, just, I'm really thirsty. I'd love a really refreshing Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> It's time to absolutely like kill a classic piece of cinema. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, there's not much we can really say about this scene. It's you know the famous quote from ET, um, which is of course him saying "penis bread." <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, it's the other famous quote from this movie, the uh, one that I think Nokia used in their, in their commercials <laughs> afterwards. Uh, it's where Gertie has re- reveals to Elliot that she has taught ET how to talk, and we get. The message that E.T. is trying to communicate with his home planet and try to get away home. And here is a uh, sample of that scene. only mess with you uh, of course that is the scene from Mac and Me this is the actual scene from E.T. oh for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> oh god Elia what Elia Elia I taught him how to talk now he can talk now Elia look what he brought up here all by himself Elia what do you need this stuff for Elia E.T., can you say that? Can you say E.T.? E.T. 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 Be good. 
Be good. I taught him that too. You should give him his dignity. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Phone. Phone? He said phone? He said phone? Can't you understand English? He said phone. And action. Elliot. I, I taught him how to talk. He can, he can talk now. You talk to me. E.T. Can you say that? I'm Elliot. You're E.T. E.T. Be good. I taught him that. You should give him his dignity. Is this strategy? E.T. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yes, yes, yes. You're, sorry, you're sorry. E.T. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Elliot. Elliot. Phone. Phone? Phone? Home. E.T. Home. E.T. Home. Phone. E.T. Phone home? E.T. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are you trying to tell me? I, I don't understand. I didn't teach him that. No, let me tell you. E.T. Phone home. Elliot! I'll be Michael. E.T. phone home? And they'll come? Come. <laughs> come. Don't Elliot! Come. <laughs> stop, stop saying that. <laughs> you know the first thing that they're going to teach him is to say bad words. Yeah. 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 Like like a kid finding out Microsoft Sam can you know, <laughs> read out curse words. Yeah. Bollocks. <laughs> uh, just to let you know, oh. I've had a call from Coke. They're pulling the sponsorship of this episode. Oh, no. Based on that dreadful performance. <laughs> oh. oh, brilliant. Oh, that was good. That was good. So we hope you enjoyed our look back at an absolute classic of cinema. Remember, film fans, I'll be right here. <laughs> and I'll be at the movies far away. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> have you have you have you taught him to talk, Sinead? <laughs> I didn't teach him that. Oh, brilliant. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and I'll have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Da 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 talking movies. You have been listening to The Real Take, presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leahy and Niall O'Brien. 
Our music was provided by actor, artist and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at therealtakepodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies.